we are starting a brand new series called Only God. Only God. And this has been a series that I've been thinking about and praying about since before we even launched our church because I really do believe that God is looking for people who will live their life in such a way that only God could get the credit for what happens. I mean, when, when I read through the Bible and I see, you know, the Davids and the Elijahs, like we're going to talk about today, when I look at the Pauls and the Timothys and the Barnabases and the Peters and, and all these people that I read about, and I'm like, man, I would love to live a life like that. Um, the one commonality in their lives is they lived a life where the power and the spirit of God was so visible in their everyday life. I mean, they're just walking down the street and the power of God is moving. Like it is just, the Bible is full of the power of God uh, moving in ways that people can't imagine. And, and we want to live a life like that. We actually believe that the power of God is not just something for biblical times, but it's actually something for modern times. That God actually wants to move in 2023 in powerful and incredible ways. And our prayer for Way Church is that when people come here on a Sunday, they don't go, wow, what an amazing worship team, although you will say that. Um, our prayer is not that you come here and go, oh man, what an amazing Waymaker team. You will say that because they're amazing. Our prayer is that you'll come and you'll experience the power and the presence of God and you'll walk away going, it is only God who could do that in a church plant like that. It is only God who could get the credit for what is happening in Nashville, Tennessee. That, that's our prayer. And so we're going to do this four-part series that will take us all the way to Thanksgiving called Only God. Uh, I'll just lay it out for you right now. Today is Only God for me. Next week will be Only God for my family. The next week will be Only God for my city. And the last week will be only God for my money. And that fourth week, only God for my money, uh, we're actually going to do something that we've never done before at Way Church. Uh, we're eight weeks old. We haven't done a lot of things. Uh, but we're going to do something that we're calling the only God offering on that, on that Sunday. And the reason we want to do this is because I think one of the ways that idols move in our hearts the most is through our money. And so um, we want to take our money and we want to give above and beyond our tithe on this Sunday for a special offering, kind of the end of the year type of a thing. Uh, all church planting coaches tell you not to do this uh, because they say, hey, if you ask people to give too early, they won't come to your church. But we actually have an amazingly generous church, a church that wants to see God do more in our city. And um, we have never asked people uh, or begged people for money. God just keeps providing through the people who attend this church. And so that Sunday, we're going to do a special offering. And I was praying. I was like, God, do I, uh, do I tell them what I'm praying for to come in that offering? And I felt a resounding yes. And so I'm not saying this to like uh, manipul manipulate you emotionally. I'm saying this because this is actually what our family is going to be fasting and praying for. Um, we're believing that on that Sunday, our church is going to raise $100,000. Now, let me tell you, uh, that is a lot of money, um, no matter how big or how old your church is, but especially for an eight-week-old church and a church of our size, that's, that's a lot of money. Um, I'm going to tell you why I believe with all my heart that we're going to raise that money and what we're going to do with it. I believe we're going to raise that money so at the end of this series, the word only God is not just a uh, sermon series. It's something, it's a testimony in our lives. Um, number two is because we actually believe that God is calling us to do more ministry than we could just do on our own. 
So we're going to take that money and we are going to surprise a church plant that is launching in Charleston, South Carolina, the first week of February. They have no idea that we're, we're, taking, we're raising this money. Um, it's a couple from London that moved here to the States about nine months ago. Maddie and I uh, are actually coaching them through the church planning process. They have an amazing team, uh, amazing leaders. They have three or four little kids and they're going to launch an amazing church. They're already seeing people come to know Christ, um, but they're still in their fundraising journey. And so what we would love to do is we would love to call them the Sunday after this offering and FaceTime them in service and say, hey, we got a surprise for you. Way, check, Way Church is sending a check so that you can launch your church. I mean, what kind of church plant could, could help launch another church plant two months in to, to being open on a Sunday? I'll tell you one, one that's relying on God's power, not our power, right? So we want to do that. We also are aware of several needs of people in our community right now. It's the holidays, you know, we got lots of families here and, and we're aware of several needs that we want to meet during the holiday season. We want to take this offering and we want to actually love on people who are struggling financially right here in our community and in our city. So we're going to do that and we're going to highlight some of those needs over the next couple of weeks. We're also believing that um, God is going to give us a building. That's what we're believing. Yeah. Um, most, most church plants don't get a building till year eight. We're believing that we're going to get a building before year one is over. I, I just got crazy faith. I'm just believing it. Um, I have crazy faith. And so we've started this search process just here in the last couple of weeks. And we're going to continue and we're going to continue to um, uh, draw the Lord in with a big faith because we serve a big God. And so this is what this money, uh, some of the things the money is going to be used towards. And so I just want you to be praying about it because it's coming down the tracks and um, we'd love for you to participate in what God's doing here at Way Church. Everybody cool with that, say amen. 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 First Kings chapter 18, starting in verse 20. Today's passage comes about 900 years before Jesus. Uh, Israel had a king named Ahab, and a queen named Jezebel. Anybody ever heard of Jezebel? If you have a, a mama who uh, goes to church, you've probably heard your mama talk about the spirit of Jezebel. Uh, I remember hearing my mom be like, I, I just, I don't know, you know, I just want to stay away from the spirit of Jezebel. Okay, this is uh, the, the woman that that spirit is named after. Uh, these are not great leaders. These are some of the worst leaders that Israel ever had. In fact, they were uh, kind of, openly encouraging the uh, people of Israel to worship all the gods. Uh, they had veered from the only God um, theology of the Israel people, and they were encouraging the people of Israel, just worship whatever God you want. In fact, if you want to worship one God on a Monday and another God on a Tuesday and the God of the Bible on a Wednesday, that's totally fine. And so God did not like this, obviously, and so he actually sends his wrath on his own people. For three years, there is a drought. And during this time, God's raising up prophets. One of the prophets that God raises up is a man named Elijah. And so we're three years into this drought. People are dying. The, the water is low. Uh, we got this really wretched king and queen. And um, Elijah gets to this moment where he feels like God says, this is the time. And he goes and he summons the king and he summons all of the prophets of the false gods. And he says, let's go meet on Mount Carmel. Carmel, not caramel, Carmel. Let's go meet on Mount Carmel. And so this is where we're going to pick up in verse 20. So Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call in the name of your God and I will call in the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. Then all people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first since there are so many of you. Call in the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. They called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted, but there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. This is my favorite part. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is God. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until their own blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice had come. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the, Lord of the, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. They did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all of these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for these moments. We don't take them for granted. We ask that you would speak to us. God, whatever happens today, only you would get the credit for it. We love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing. We celebrate the lives that are gonna be baptized this afternoon. Thank you for doing something special here in our church and in our city and in our families and in our lives. We love you so much. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Sometimes you just have to see it. Sometimes you just have to see it. Uh, when, a, when a good movie comes out, a highly anticipated movie, and people start going to see it, but you haven't had a chance to see it, you will literally, at least for me, I will not get on social media because I don't want someone to spoil it for me. I want to see it. You know, you ever been around that friend who goes to see the movie that everybody wants to see and they start trying to talk about it? Nobody? Okay. <laughs> Uh, whenever that happens, I'm like my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ. I will cut you if you talk about this movie, okay? Because I want to see it. I want to see it. I remember when uh, Maddie and I started dating. My parents, they wanted to see her. 
because they heard me talking about her and, and saying, you know, she's beautiful and she loves Jesus and she loves people. She's funny. She's a great dancer. And my parents were like, that sounds great, but it also sounds like you're being catfished. Have you seen her? They're like, did you meet her on a dating app? Like, is this a real person? And so they, they had to see her uh, before they could get on board with the relationship. They, they just had to see her. Uh, I remember when we got engaged, Maddie went dress shopping, and she posted the little photo on Instagram that says, I said yes to the dress. Okay, can we come up with a different slogan? But there's got to be another rhyme, you know what I mean? But she posted that little photo, and she was so excited about the dress. And, of course, I didn't get to see it till our wedding day, but even if Maddie had tried to describe the wedding dress to me, like, like she didn't do this, but, but if she had tried, like very descriptive, hey, this is what the flow of the dress looks like, this is what uh, the, the shape and the fabric, I'm running out of descriptors for dresses, um, this is the weight of the dress, if she had gone into great detail, I still would not have possibly been able to visualize what she was going to look like in that dress until I got to see her walking down the aisle in it on our wedding day. Because sometimes you just have to see it. Touch your neighbor and say, you have to see it sometimes. You have to touch your second choice. I, I have to see it sometimes. I believe that we are living in a time where people in our world desperately need to see the power of God. Desperately need to see the power of God. We live in a time right now where people need to see the power of God, not the power of influence or talent or intellect or great words or, or even uh, how deep in logic we are. Like, like people need to see the power of God. When I read my Bible, I cannot go a single page without seeing the power of God. If you removed all of the times where the power of God moved in the Bible, you would not have a book, you would have a sticky note. Because the power of God was evident in the Bible, but a lot of times in our world today, it seems like the power of God is hiding. Where is the power of God? Most of the time in 2023, uh, people are talked into following Jesus. They're talked into following Jesus. And I'm not hating on that at all. I think that that's something that we should do. I think we should teach theology and we should teach from the Bible. And my job is to talk. And so I like to talk and I hope that you like to talk about Jesus. I'm not saying that we don't do those things. I'm just saying that what, what the world needs is to hear about Jesus and they need to see his power inside of us. That's what our world needs to see. I'm simply saying that they, they cannot just hear about God and not see God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom or intellect, but on God's power. Paul was saying it's, it's important that you experience the power of God, because if you're talked into God, you could be talked out of God. But if you experience God's power, you will not be talked out of God because what you've experienced is too good to be described. What you've experienced is too good to be talked out of. What you've felt in your soul and in your spirit is too good for you to move on to anything else. You need to experience the power of God. Did you know that actually in the Bible, the primary way that people came to know Christ was through the power of God? All throughout the New Testament, Jesus would step into a town and often he would heal people and perform miracles before people started following him. It was because of their experience with the power of God that they wanted to follow God. Acts chapter 14, Paul, 
These people in Acts chapter 14, they look at Paul and they literally thought that Paul was Zeus. I mean, can you imagine someone coming up to you and wanting to make a sacrifice and calling you Zeus? That is what happened in Acts chapter 14 because Paul was moving with so much power of God. Saul, Paul, before he was called Paul, was called Saul. He encountered the power of God and went from being a church killer to a church planter. The woman at the well had an encounter with the power of God and became an evangelist to her entire town. A Roman centurion told Jesus, I know that you have the power to heal my servant from here, miles away. You don't have to come to my house to heal my servant. I have seen your power. And today in our passage in 1 Kings, Elijah stands in front of 450 enemy prophets and calls down fire from heaven. That takes power. Takes power. Elijah is a crazy dude. I, one of my favorite people in the Bible, um, because of his boldness and his courage, uh, he didn't just go against 450 enemy prophets. Uh, he was roasting 450 enemy prophets. I mean, did you catch the, the trash talk? that was happening in 1 Kings 18. They're calling down fire from heaven and he's like, where's your God? See at Trader Joe's? You know, is there a sale on flowers? Is your God in Mexico? I heard the cell service is horrible in Tijuana. You know, like this is what Elijah's doing. And it's not like he's standing across from people who are just trying to have a pleasant conversation. These people are psychos. They're cutting themselves, trying to get their God to answer them. In fact, these 450 prophets, they had actually scared away every other prophet of the Lord by this time. Before this showdown on Mount Carmel, there were actually hundreds of prophets of God. But by the time we get to this showdown, these prophets of Baal have scared away, intimidated, or killed every single prophet except for Elijah. Elijah stands across from those people and he's like, is your God in Mexico? I mean, Elijah just has this irrational level of confidence. You ever met somebody with an irrational level of confidence before? We got this lady uh, who, she's a a Metro PD officer. Uh, There's an elementary school around the corner from our house. and, And there's this Metro PD officer who comes out every morning to direct the traffic. And this lady has an irrational level of confidence. I mean, she could not be taller than like five foot two, Uh, just this little tiny woman, um, probably in her mid-60s. And the way that she is directing traffic, you would just think that she was like 6'6 with guns. I mean, like like she is out there, she's blowing the whistle like she gets paid extra to blow the whistle. She's giving dirty looks to the cars that get too close to the crosswalk. You know, like I've I've literally seen her step in front of, of, of trucks that are going too fast to get them to slow down. I'm like, what if they didn't slow down? You know, but she just has this crazy amount of confidence and her confidence doesn't come from her stature, clearly. Like, like, like she is not the most powerful thing on our street, okay? There are lots of cars. There are lots of people who are bigger than her, but her confidence comes from that little badge that she wears that says Metro, Nashville Metro PD. Because she knows if one of those trucks decides to hit her or someone gets out of their car and starts yelling at her, she's not backed by her power. She's actually backed by the power of the entire Metro PD. Elijah in 1 Kings 18, he is not 
boasting because he's got a lot of power. He is boasting because he knows that his God has a lot of power. He's going, I don't have to worry about who's fighting the battle. I serve the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I serve the God who shuts the mouths of lions. I serve the God who makes demons run and flee. I serve the God who wins battles that he should not be able to win. I serve the God who defeated death. When people look at your life, do they see an irrational level of confidence? Do they see an irrational level of faith? I believe as followers of Jesus, what our world needs to see is people living with a crazy amount of faith, people living with a crazy amount of confidence, not in themselves, but only in God. Only in God. Can you imagine what would happen? This is what I know. God is not left and his power is not gone. Where are the Elijahs? Nashville needs some Elijahs. I tried to think of a female name for Elijah just to put next to it. I can't think of one, but we need female Elijahs. We need male Elijahs. Our city needs Elijahs. Our city needs people who are moving in the power of God, people who are moving with a higher level of faith, people who are moving with an irrational level of confidence. Begs to ask the question, how do you get the power of God? Now, I have this clever little one-liner that I'm gonna give you on how to get the power of God, but then I'm gonna back it up with scripture because I think that that's important, okay? But I I do think this one-liner is true. You cannot live with the power of God if you do not live in the presence of God. It's impossible, it's impossible. One of my favorite quotes from a man named Leonard Ravenhill, he said this, you must be with God much before you can be much for God. You wanna know how Elijah lived with power? It's because he lived with God. It's that simple. If you wanna move in power, you gotta be in his presence. Uh, A little backstory on Elijah, he was a prophet which in the Old Testament, uh, God would appoint prophets, um, but there was this process that you had to go through to become a prophet in Israel, and it was a prophet called consecration. Maybe you've heard that word before, maybe you haven't. It's just simply a word that means to be set apart for a specific purpose. Uh, Specifically, you would be set apart for holiness. It actually meant that you were required to do what no one else would do so that you could do what no one else could do. This is what being a prophet looked like. It meant that you had to put God as the highest thing in your life and it could not even be close. Now that's something that a lot of people have the desire to do, but few people have the discipline to do. I have the desire for God to be above everything else, but then when it's time to to go for it, when push comes to to shove, convenience often takes that desire away. So, So it's not just enough to desire for God, to be Lord of all of our life. It actually takes discipline for God to be Lord of our life. I think that um, in the Capital C Church today, we've, we've lowered the bar so much for people. Uh, we've, we've really lowered the standard. Instead of challenging people to read scripture for themselves, we just say, oh, it's, it's okay, you know, it's fine. We'll just come on Sundays and maybe listen to someone else's study of the Bible instead of studying it for, for yourself. Uh, we've kind of lowered the bar. We're like, like, you don't have to pray, you know, to be a Christian. You, you don't have to fast. You, you don't have to do any of the things that Jesus talked about. You don't need to serve. You, you don't need to sacrifice and lay down your life for others. You don't have to do any of those things. Just, just come and be a part of our thing for 45 minutes on a Sunday and, and you're good. And, and it's, it's, I just want to make it clear that that's, that's not what we believe um, here at Way Church. What, what we believe at Way Church is that you're good by faith alone for your salvation, but how you look like Jesus is actually through the disciplines uh, of the Spirit. 
that, that you can be saved by doing nothing but putting your faith in the Lord. But if you actually want to look and speak and talk and operate in God's power, it actually requires you to spend time with Jesus. This is not a popular message in 2023. Anything that resembles discipleship in 2023 is called legalism, religious, and rules. It's like, man, I, I just don't, I don't have to do that. That's, that's religious. Okay, you're right. You, don't, you can skate by, you can get into heaven, but heaven will never get into you with that mindset. It will never happen. God wants more for your life. What he wants is he wants people who are falling in love with God's word, not making excuses for why they don't read it. He wants people who are turning their closets into a prayer closet, not so they can post it on Instagram, but so they can move and operate in the power of God. He wants people not, not calling worship what we do for 22 minutes on a Sunday, but living with a lifestyle of worship. He wants people who go, you know what? I love that my pastor preaches the word, but I'm gonna preach the word for myself. I'm gonna evangelize. God wants to use me. God wants to move in me. He's looking for people who say, it's not just enough to skate by with the bare minimum. I want the power of God. You can't have the power of God without the presence of God. I put it this way. If we want to see God move in others, we need God to move in us first. Maybe you're here and you're like, okay, what is the power of God? Why do I need the power of God? This is why you need the power of God. The power of God allows you to run and not grow weary, Isaiah 40, 31. It allows you to overcome weakness, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It allows you comfort in times of distress, Psalms 41.3. It gives you strength in all circumstances, Philippians 4.13. It gives you an undeniable hope, Matthew 19.26. It helps you overcome the challenges of this world, 1 John 5.4. It resurrects us and it makes us new, Philippians 3.10. We need the power of God. We need the power of God. Elijah had it. I want to go back to verse 33 from 1 Kings chapter 18. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. This is, this is another wild part. I mean, he's like, he's like, I want you to pour water on the wood. And so I just imagine like they had to go fill it up somewhere in a hose. You know, it's probably like a little dramatic. And then they come over and they pour it out and he's like, do it again. You know, like, like this is like, this is crazy. He, he let the other guys like get the dry wood. You know, he let them pick the cow first. He, he, didn't, he didn't say pour water on the, like he was like, no, 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 I'll be the one who does it. He has water poured on the altar three times. After talking trash, he says, hey, go get some tubs of water, dump it on the wood. Okay, great. Go get some more. Do it, do it again, do it again. So let's just summarize. 450 to one, dry wood to wet wood. The choice cow versus the leftover cow. My favorite part about Elijah is when the odds are stacked against him, it didn't discourage him, it excited him. He was like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. The odds being against me actually allows for God to get more glory. It actually allows for people to look at what's gonna happen and go, that wasn't a coincidence. That wasn't the right circumstances lining up. That wasn't my gifting. That, that wasn't my ability. When people see what are about, what, what's about to happen, they are going to walk away and go, that had to be God. This is our heart for this series, is that when people see our lives, when people see the stuff that God answers in our life, when people see our faith, they go, that cannot be described by anything but God. Elijah, he had, he had big faith. We've talked about faith already this morning. I think faith is another buzzword in Christian culture today, that a lot of people, they're, they're turned off by the word faith. There have been whole movements of people who've misused the word faith. 
uh, the Word of Faith movement. Maybe you've heard of that. I know a lot of people who don't like talking about faith because they've had a bad experience with theological movements that say you can just name something and claim something, which is a really bad theology. And so they're like, ah, I don't really like talking about faith because I don't believe that you can just name it and claim it. I've seen other people on the other side of that who they have literally stopped believing God for things because they're so worried that God will disappoint them the way people disappoint them. One of my favorite pastors, he has this quote, his name's John Lindell. He says, the reason so many people have a hard time believing for miracles is because they have built their entire life on a theology of disappointment. They are so ready for God to disappoint them that they never believe that God could do exceedingly more than we ask, think, or imagine. And so while the Bible is clear that God is amazed by faith, did you know that? That God is actually amazed by faith? Jesus was amazed two times in the New Testament. The first time, because of someone's lack of faith, and the second time, because of the big faith that the Roman centurion had. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they are drawn to people who have big faith. I want Way Church to be a place where God is drawn to. I want Way Church to be a place where God is amazed, not because of our lack of faith, but because of the amount of faith, because we actually believe that God wants to do, do more in the midst of us, that we actually believe that God could reach a thousand people for Jesus in our first year, that we actually believe that God could provide a building in one of the most expensive cities in all of the East Coast the first year of a church plant, that we actually believe that we could help feed 600 families on a Saturday on November 4th in the first year of a church plant that we actually believe that God could plant other churches out of a church plant in the first year of a church plant. Come on, I believe that God wants to do more. I want God to be amazed at our faith. God is not a formula. He's a person. I think sometimes we're like, God, we're we're trying to like get it all to, to, to fit the boxes. Like, all right, what do I need to do? What do I need to say? What, what do I need to align for God to move? You know what you need for God to move? You just need faith. God actually loves to move. I, I've been studying all week. Like, like I want to get up there and I want to preach a theologically correct message, not just a message that excites people. And, and my main theological takeaway, I shared this with our team this morning from, from studying God's word on faith and God moving, is that God actually enjoys moving in his people's lives. He does. He actually enjoys it. We don't have to twist his arm to get him to move. We just have to believe that he can. We just have to believe it. Elijah, he believed it. What situation in your life have you believed the odds are too bad or too big for God to move in? What situation have you been telling yourself there's no way that God could do this? What family member have you given up on ever following Jesus? What amount of debt do you feel is insurmountable? What sin have you struggled with for too long to have hope for? What relationship do you think is too far gone to be restored? If you're here this morning and you feel like the odds are stacked against you, I want to encourage you this morning that you are finding yourself in the situation where God loves to move the most. You are finding yourself in a situation where when God moves, every person in your life will have to say that is only God. Every person in your life will have to say that is only the Lord. Who did that in your life? Only God. Who healed you of that disease? Only God. Who restored your marriage? Only God. Who reached your lost son or daughter? Only God. Who got you out of that addiction? Only God. It is only God. That's our heart. God, that you would be glorified. 
that we don't have big faith to say we have big faith. We have big faith because we want God to do something big in our life so that he can get the glory for it. This is what I believe. I wrote down five things. I think over the next four weeks at Way Church, we're gonna have some only God testimonies. I believe this with all my heart that we're not gonna have to wait till week four, but next week, some of you are gonna come in here and you're gonna go, the thing that I had given up on happened this past week. I I just believe that. That's gonna happen this week. I believe it with all my heart. I believe that offering, we're gonna raise the money. We're gonna do amazing ministry. We're gonna be able to share the testimonies of that. God's gonna get the glory. This is how we're gonna do it. The five things. We're gonna prioritize time in the presence of God. Number two, we're going to repent. Number three, we're going to raise our level of faith. We're going to be ready to give the glory to only God. And then we're going to celebrate with each other. I'm going to move out of the way. We're going to prioritize time in the presence of God because we want to live with the power of God. We're going to repent because our theology is that when we repent, the spirit of God actually can move in and through us. I've heard people argue and they've said, hey, you only have to repent one time in your life. And that's a whole nother argument that doesn't belong in this sermon. But my whole thought on it is what bad is it for us to repent? Like what is that, what bad does that cause by turning back to the Lord and asking him to cleanse us? To me, every time I've repented, I've actually felt like I have grown closer to the Lord. I actually believe that we grow in the kingdom of God in the way that we repent. So we're going to repent. We're going to make sure there's no sin in our life as we're believing God for, to do these things. We're going to raise our level of faith. I, I want when people hear your prayers for, for, the, for the hair on their arms to stand up. You know what I mean? Like, like, like I, I, don't want to hedge, I don't want to be a church that hedges our bets. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, you, if you've ever prayed like this, I've prayed like this. So, so don't, you know, I'm not coming at you. I kind of am. But, but I, I don't like it when people are like, God, if it's your will, We want to see five people saved this year. It is his will. It's his will. Why would he not want five people to be saved? And that prayer is too small. God, I'm believing a thousand people are going to be saved in Nashville, Tennessee through our church this year. God, I am believing it. Won't you do it? I want to see you move. I'm believing for it. The Bible says he's a God that is able to do exceedingly more than we ask or imagine. I want to pray bigger prayers, raise our level of faith, be ready to give the glory to only God, and we're going to celebrate with each other. And so this is what I want to challenge you to do. If if you're here and God meets a need or God answers a prayer in your life, I want you to tell somebody about it. Tell us about it. Tell, Tell someone on the Waymaker team about it. Tell other people in the church about it. We want to celebrate all that God does. On that last Sunday, when we take the only God offering, we're going to celebrate the money that's given, but more than that, we're going to celebrate the stories where only God can get the credit. Only God could get the credit. First Kings, in closing, it's what I believe. These moments, these only God moments, are not going to just be for us. So the fire falls, it consumes the altar that Elijah built. And look what happens in First Kings 18.39. When all the people saw this, when they saw it, they fell and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. It's when they saw it. Elijah, for three years, was talking about the power of God. And none of those people listened to him. But the moment they saw the power of God moving in Elijah, they fell on their faces before the Lord. We live in a world who has heard Christians talk about God a lot. And it's great. We already talked about it. We want to do that. 
But some people will not follow God until they experience his power for themselves. Let those people experience the power of God in you. Let, let those people experience the hunger of God in you. I think this is what would change our city more than any other thing. Nurses and doctors living lives that only God could get the credit for. Teachers and politicians living lives that only God could get the credit for. Moms and dads living lives that only God could get the credit for. College students and high school students living lives that only God could get the credit for. People going, whoa, wait, how did that happen in your life? Only God? Wait, 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 you're in college and you've shared the gospel with how many people? Only God? Only God? Only God? Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I, I love to just give the opportunity. Um, there's this really cool passage of scripture, Luke chapter nine, verse 51. Jesus is talking with the disciples and they're in this town and the people, they're, they're trying to kick Jesus and the disciples out of the town. And the disciples, they, uh, they actually reference the passage that we read today in 1 Kings 18. They say, uh, do we need to pray to God to send fire on this town? That's what they say. They start trying to persuade Jesus to roast the town with fire, like Elijah sent fire on the altar. And Jesus has this correcting moment, and he goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, I didn't come to send fire on the world. I came to stand in the fire for the world. It's this crazy moment that encapsulates the gospel so well. The disciples were confused. They didn't understand what he was saying. But what he was referencing was how he was going to walk to a cross and die for them. And I just think about 1 Kings 18, where the prophets of Baal, they're trying to get their gods to respond. And what do they do? They start cutting themselves. They start spilling their blood. But we serve a God, those of us who call Jesus Lord, we serve a God who was willing to let other people cut him while he was on the cross to spill his blood for us. What kind of God would spill his blood? Only God. What kind of God would go first for us? Only God. What kind of God would come down out of heaven into a mess called earth, into a mess called me to die for my sins and for your sins? Only God. We're believing for God to do things in our life that only he could get the credit for because we know that there is no God like our God.